Hey guys, it's Corey from Real Iron Dad Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is episode 62, and we have a professional triathlete. He is on the ITU circuit, and he is just destroying things in Canada. So I'm so happy to have him on the show. Not only that, he is majoring in food and nutrition, and he is, you guessed it, vegan. He's a vegan professional triathlete, folks, and we're going to talk to him today on episode 62 of Real Iron Dad Radio. Let's go. From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Real Iron Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Hey, if it's your first time hearing us, thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us for a little bit. My name's Corey. I am a husband, a father, a triathlete, and an Ironman. And each week, I get to talk to some of the most inspiring people that I can find to help me stay motivated, to stay fit, eat healthy, and really just get the most out of life as a busy parent. See, for me, finding time to work out, make healthy, quick meals for my family, and spend quality time together can be really, really challenging, especially when we overschedule ourselves. So my job and my hope is that by me getting a chance to talk to some of these awesome folks that you will take away some quick tips or inspiration to help keep you and your family going strong. Now, today's guest is a professional triathlete. He lives in Canada. He's in the ITU circuit. That is the uh, International Triathlon Union, ITU. And uh, his name is Antoine. He uh, He's a great guy. He reached out to me after visiting realirondad.com and uh, just said, hey, you know, I'm a vegan triathlete. And that is something that's pretty unique. That's not something you see every day. So, More than that, he's focused on food and nutrition as majors in his college studies. He's 22 years old. He is at the prime of his life right now and just a superb athlete, multiple sponsors, just killing it on the ITU circuit. So really looking forward to you guys hearing this conversation and uh, hope you can walk away with something that will inspire you and motivate you to not only not only get out there and train, but uh, really just think about the food that you're putting in your body. So without further ado, it is time for episode 62 of the conversation with professional triathlete Antoine Jelica Deroche. All right, everybody, it's Corey here, and we have a special guest today, and he is a French guest. I don't have my best French accent, but I'm going to do the best that I can. His name is Antoine Jelica Deroche. How did I do on that, Antoine? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, you yeah. know, I was in uh, I was in Ireland recently and I I had a, a little like bet with one of my friends that was in the car that I could maintain a good Irish accent for the entire cab ride. But um, sadly, I I kind of failed because the cab driver asked me where I was from and I said oh yeah I'm from uh, Dublin you know I was raised raised here grew up in Dublin and he was like oh well your accent you know sounds a little like it you've you've lost it a little bit and I was like oh yeah well you know I was in the states for quite a long time there and you know it's totally crap to the people that are from Dublin it was total <laughs> insult and uh, but you know I didn't say anything I never told him that I was 
actually American, but you know, it, it was what it was. But uh, I digress already. Look, I've digressed already, and I haven't even started the podcast with you. So uh, tell me where you're from. Uh, obviously, you are the first professional triathlete to make it on the show. And uh, I just want to hear a little bit about where you're living. Uh, you know, how, how many hours a week are you training? Let's let's start with that. Yeah, so I'm from uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. But I live uh, about like one hour up north from Montreal. So it's more like I live just close to the forest and I live uh, on a lake. So it's super good for... For training, sometimes I call it like it's my own uh, national training center yeah. for, for just for me, because like there's mini trail for like mountain biking, running, and uh, in the winter I do lots of uh, snowshoe, uh, cross country skiing, and stuff like that. So it's super super nice. Yeah. It's funny you call it the national training center. Are you f- familiar with the NTC here in the United States? Yeah, in Clermont, I've been there like lots of time. It's super super good. You know, I live 15 minutes from that facility. Really? Wow. Yes, the track yes. is awesome. Wow. Like, uh, See, I've, I've never been uh, able to train there just because, you know, one, I don't take it, you know, as seriously as a professional would. But two, it's just, uh, I think it's a little bit too expensive for me at the time. You know, it, that gym membership is just pretty expensive. But it, you are correct. It is a heck of a facility. I love that place. Yeah, and the swimming pool is so so huge, and it's like so much nicer to swim outside in the mm. the summer, especially yeah. when you come from like usually when you go it's the spring, so there's like tons of snow in uh, Montreal, and then we go to Florida, and we're like, wow, like sun and everything. I know, I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're like, wow, like sun and everything. Yes, it's totally true. Uh, you guys must wear wetsuits all the time. Yeah, in the, the summer, like, the, it's pretty rare that, like, my lake is warm enough for me to, like, swim in my bathing suit and stuff. Yeah. Oh, see, but you don't have to worry about alligators, do you? No. No, <laughs> See, yeah. yeah, we got alligators lurking in our lakes, so we need to be careful. Now, they're scared when large groups of people, you know, go out there, but um, there's some lakes that I'll train in sometimes that... You know, you swim at your own risk. I mean, the guy that owns the lake that lets us swim in it, he swims with a knife uh, in a in a buoy, like between his legs, just in case. And I'm like, man, you know, if a big alligator bites you, I don't think a knife is going to help you. Yeah, I think <laughs> like I did a a race in Clermont, and there's like a uh, in the the lake where we swim, it's known to have like alligators in it. Like, but yeah, it's like Are super you... shallow now. So oh like, come on! Which 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 race is this? Because you know I race in Claremont. Do you remember what it was? I think it's it's quite a popular race every year. There's a race there. Usually it's the Panam Cup, ITU. Oh wow! Okay, I'll have to check it out. I do the summer sports series. It's like a series of four sprint triathlons that I do. And I think it's, it's like in sort of a, like a national uh, park center. So like you you need to pay to to go there to to train. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not as familiar with it, but that that doesn't mean anything. So, um, but wow, wow, wow. Yeah, alligators are no fun. I do not want to have any part of them. You know, the sad thing is, us in Florida, we will wear wetsuits when the water is below, uh, anything below like seventy nine. That's cold to us if the water's below seventy nine. Yeah, for us, like in the, <laughs> especially when you come like after the winter. Like when it's like, for everyone, it will be like super cold, super uh, cold. For us, we're like wearing t-shirt and like under snow oh. and everything. But, so what what t- what type of temperatures are we talking about for the water for you to get in there with a wetsuit on? Because uh, for us, I'm, I'm so used to like Celsius. 
So oh I yeah, yeah. Quite... We'd have to convert it to Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it's usually like at twenty one or twenty. That like usually is the rule to to have wetsuit. Twenty one degrees Celsius. Yeah, I think wow. so. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to convert that. Yeah, I, I would convert it. Yeah. I would convert it right now, but I have to. I'll put it in the show notes. You know. <laughs> Uh, if, if you guys want to hear the show notes or, or find out the conversion on that, it's realirondad.com slash 62 for episode 62. But all right, Antoine, so um, you are a unique guy in the sense that you reached out to me and you said, hey, listen, I am a vegan professional triathlete and I would love to you know talk to you. And so we had to get you on the show. You know, what was it that made you say, you know, hey, I want to be vegan. I want to be plant-based and I think that's the the best way for me. We were talking before the show and you said it was kind of a journey for you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like three years ago. I remember like the day like really clearly. I was like actually it was like a few days before like my first workup ever. Like I was like doing pretty much nothing because it's like you're just resting all day. So I think I was on Twitter and one of someone I know is a good uh, open water swimmer. Like he, he's like one of the best in the world and he is also vegan. And I think he showed, showed like he posted a video about like uh, animal cruelty and stuff like that. So I look at that and I was, oh, I'm going to stop eating uh, red meat and pork. So that's when I decided to, to stop eating uh, red meat and pork. And then a few weeks ago, I think I decided to stop uh, eating chicken also. Okay. But then, uh, for all that that year, I didn't like change my diet. I kept that same diet. So I was still eating uh, eggs and fish and and milk. But then, because I'm also a big fan of like Ritual and Scott Jurek and other I mean, other vegan athletes. Yeah, and I, Dave, I read Dave Scott. I mean, one of the most winningest. Uh, Ironman of all times. Dave Scott is vegan. Really? I, di- I didn't know that. Wow. Absolutely. Most Ironman championships ever, and he's vegan. Yep. Yeah, I know that like he eats really super healthy, and I heard like so, so much stuff about it, but I didn't know it was vegan. Yeah. That's yeah. cool to know. But continue. So yeah, on so your journey. Then... Uh, you were at the fish. You, uh, yeah, you were starting I, So then fish. it was uh, this year, I decided to stop eating uh, fish also so i was basically vegetarian because for a while i was uh, like pescatarian for maybe one or two years and then uh, actually what made me choose to become vegan is uh, the movie cowspiracy yep because i heard so much about it but like uh i didn't really saw the movie because like ritual like talk about it so much but uh, one of my friend uh, was also interested in being vegan at the time, sent me a link to the, the video. And there's like a sent, like a one quote specific me, specifically that like made me want to be vegan. And it's like, I don't remember the name of the, the guy, but he's like an every mentalist. And he said, uh, if, if you're an every mentalist, you can't be, uh, you cannot be, not be vegan. Like you Correct. need to be vegan if you're an every mentalist. And yes. for me, like the planet and everything is super important. So I, I think like one of the main reasons that I'm vegan is mostly for the environment, for like environmental reason, mostly. So that's what made me 
become vegan and that was also only a few days before a race so it seems like every time it's just like usually it's like don't change something before a big race or yeah but that's not what i do like so you're more of a cold turkey kind of guy in the sense that you 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 just dropped it like right after you saw that it's like once you learned the information, you were like, I can't go on. Now that I know this information, I can't go on eating meat and eating animals. Is that right? Yeah, because like I always thought, I always say like, oh, I'm I'm an environmentalist. I recycle. I take like super short showers and stuff like that. And I always like want to like preserve the, the trails and the forest where I live. But then when I hear that, it's like, am I a fraud? Because like I still consume so much water because i eat meat and stuff like that so that's when i decided to just go go all in yeah right you know the the movie cowspiracy guys for anybody who hasn't seen it i definitely recommend it it's um it's a a very close look at the carbon footprint of raising cattle and animal protein but cattle in particular no, I, I I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but uh, I'll share some of them in the show notes. But, you know, it, it, the carbon footprint on raising cattle and the food that it costs to feed cattle and the uh, they say in the movie, it's hilarious. I don't know if you remember this, Antoine, but it was uh, methane gas or the cow farts yeah, they yeah, said, yeah. <laughs> were the things that were really depleting the ozone a ton, you know, and uh, I thought that was not only funny because I'm immature, but I also thought, you know, this is uh, the number one cause of, uh, you know, environmental issues in, in the world and it's being ignored. You know, we're told to make sure that we turn the lights off yeah. and make sure that we, you know, take short showers. But even though those things do have an impact, it's nothing compared to the impact that raising cows and other animal-based proteins are are causing on this this planet you know? and also you can eat make uh, have food for much more people when they're eating like a vegan diet than if they eat if they eat uh, beef and uh, chicken like it's just there's like so many people that don't have food but like we're just oh we're gonna give food to the animals so that they can grow and then we're gonna kill them to feed the, the people so yeah. Right. Yeah. There's not enough food as the population continues to grow. And Cowspiracy talks about this. By the time, you know, 15 years from now, they're predicting that there won't be enough food to feed everyone if we continue eating the way that we're eating. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's to say everyone should go on a vegan diet, but it would sure help if a lot more people ate more plants. You know, instead of, instead of the word vegan, which can oftentimes be um, a bit, exclusive right we need to be inclusive we need to let people know like it's not this like private club it's not this thing that uh, you know you scream from the mountaintops but i do feel and i think you feel the same way like i I feel that i have a responsibility when i identify myself as vegan or plant-based that you know I, i don't need to try to convert other people but once you know the information the factual information, not the opinions, not the scare tactics, although, you know, some of those things do have a purpose. You can't go back. You can't go back to living the way that you were before you didn't know how these animals are treated on factory farms and also how, 
the the impact on the environment and it's just mind-blowing and from that point on you you have to change and it's so fascinating to me that right before a race you found out this information and you switched how many days before the race was it uh like for the first time when i started to cut meat uh, like red meat things was maybe two or three days before oh my god but gosh. it's not it's not like a, i was like a huge uh, meat eater like i still i i was eating like steaks one once a week and stuff like that like i didn't really enjoy it that much but i was like part of my culture and part of like my habit so i was still eating it but like i guess the biggest change was was when i start stop eating uh, uh when i decided to become vegan that was like the biggest decision and that was like maybe one week before the race i what just type... before like flying out to uh, going traveling to the race yeah yeah what was the biggest effect on your nutrition that you noticed like were you tired were you lethargic did anything change or you know being knowledgeable about nutrition and stuff how did you i mean the number one question for all vegans is where do you get your protein so i mean were you concerned about getting enough protein or getting enough of the vital nutrients you needed to be race ready no because i think like before before i make like the decision i was always like reading stuff about the, the diets of vegan athletes just to think about it. And like we, we learned so much that there's so much proteins in, uh, in legumes in like in quinoa. And so that wasn't really an issue for me. I think before, even when I was eating a, a normal diet, as you can say, uh, yeah, or a Western diet, yeah, Western diet <laughs> add some like iron problem. Because usually it's well known that athletes, because we train so much, we usually have like a super low iron. So sometimes we need to take supplements. And right, sometimes an I had supplement. some okay. issue with that, with like a, I had some, because I was feeling like I think it was maybe two or three years ago, I was feeling like super like fatigue and tired. So I did a blood test and like my ferritin level was like super low. So the ferritin level is like how, how we store the iron in our blood. So I wasn't like anemic or anything, but I was, that's like a, when your ferritin level is low, that means like you have a big risk of being anemic. I see. So then I started to, uh, I was already like taking uh, iron uh, supplements. So I just kept taking my supplements when I became vegan. Now, I, I, f I find that, you know, if you're eating enough leafy greens, that that really helps supplement the iron as well. Is that... Is that true or am I wrong about that? Yeah, it's, it's just that the the iron from like leafy green is not that much as well absorbed. So like, for example, if you're going to take a spinach or kale, sometimes it's better to eat it with like vitamin C or like sometimes it's good to, uh, for example, like for kale, if you want to like get as much uh, calcium if you want, it's better when you just blanch it a little bit. Because sometimes uh, there's like mineral uh, interactions. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Fascinating. But in so many products, there's a su supplementation. Like I sometimes take uh, soy supplements or like tofu key, like the tofu sausages. And like, so that's, for example, for like vitamin B12, I don't really take uh, supplements because I know that in many uh, food that I take, there's a uh, supplementation. And also... My, uh, 
What's pretty cool is my nutrition uh, electrolytes uh, supplements that like my powder that I put in my my drinks when I train. It has like 100% uh, vitamin B12 that I need for a day. So instead of like taking sup- like pills of vitamin B12, I know that with everything I eat in my diet, uh, it's okay. So yeah. Nice. How much B12 do you take a day? Like in milligrams or grams? Do you know? No, I don't really know because it's usually I see it's a in percentage of uh, the daily value that you need. Right, but what's that based on? What is that percentage value based on? Is it based on a Canadian scale, or is it based on the like you know uh, USDA standards? Or uh, I think I'm pretty sure that Canadian standard and USA standard are pretty much the same because like uh, we try to make the the same uh, sort of standards. It's mm-hmm. usually like standardized. Uh, with Canada and the uh, United States, because our requirement for B12 is super, super small. Like it's it's not the same as like iron. Iron is kind of big. Right. So, but I, I'm not sure uh, how much. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to find that out. I mean, I, I met with a holistic doctor here and we talked about our B12 supplementation because B12 is the only thing that you cannot get on a vegan diet. It's the only nutrient you can't get. Yeah. And you, Unless you, know you eat like stuff like, if for example, if you... You're gonna take some uh, eat carrots like from like a farm market, and it's not super well clean. You're you're gonna get some because uh, vitamin B12 is 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 in the dirt. So if you don't clean like everything like super super neatly, you're you're gonna get some some of it in it. But got it. So we should just eat dirty vegetables all the time. Is that what you're saying? Not not really, because usually there's <laughs> also like pesticides and stuff like that. But like I guess that if you really know. Who, who's growing your vegetables? Yeah. I guess you don't need to like super wash them super right. super well. I mean, the only reason we get B12 in our you know Western diets is because people eat meat and the cows eat grass and there's B12 you know which is a, basically a bacteria, right? I mean, B12 is yeah, pretty yeah. much a bacteria. So we make in the B12 or, ourselves in our bacteria. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, good, good. Yeah, I, I supplement my kids with um, 1,000 milligrams or one gram of uh, B12. And that's like a little tablet they eat that dissolves in their mouth. And then I take 5,000 milligrams a day, so five grams okay. of B12. Yeah, and, I know uh, you can also supplement like with uh, by the nose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure like if it's much more efficient, but hmm, I think it's yeah. a nice one. I haven't tried it. Um, okay, so... When you have your vegan diet and when you are training, what do you use while you're out there to to keep you going? I mean, especially for the long distance, you know, 70.3 Ironman, stuff like that. How do you maintain? Because obviously you can't bring a sandwich with you on the race and you don't no. want to do that anyways. Um, so talk to me about when you're on the bike, when you're out there training and, uh, you know, how do you keep the food and the energy up while you're on the road? Yeah, when I'm training and when I'm racing, it's, it's quite different. Like when I'm training, I try to eat like as small as most old food as I can. I like I like to eat like I always have like one or two bananas with me in my cycling jacket. And I'm so sponsored by a vegan company. It's called a Chrono Bar. It's from actually it's from Montreal. So it's like sometimes I just drive to to the house and they bring me uh, boxes of, of food. It's called a yeah it's Chrono Bar with a K. Okay. And yeah. It's organic and it's made with dates and uh, fruits, like dried fruits. And some, well, what's cool is that some are, there's like three types of bars. Some it's like 
don't have much protein. Some have like maybe seven or nine grams of like vegan protein. And the other are for a post-workout, they have like maybe 15, 15 grams. So if, if sometime like I'm in the traveling and I'm like, oh, I can't get the, what I want. Like I'm not going to get a quinoa salad for, for lunch, for example. I know that at least I'm going to get my 15 grams of protein from, from the bar. So when I train, that's usually what I bring. Sometimes I'm going to bring uh, dry uh, apples or dry banana. Like I've got a, a pretty cheap dehydrator at my house. So sometimes when like the bananas are super cheap, I'm going to buy like lots of banana and make like some Ziploc bags of it. Very but smart. when I race, it's more, uh, it's all about being efficient and being like uh, lightweight also on the bike and like being aero. So it's usually mostly gels, like maybe three or four gels during the race. And I've got the, the electrolytes that I talk about. It's called the liquid IV, the one with the, the B12. That That's what I use on, on the bike. And for the run, I, sometime I'm going to take a gel if they give it to me. Or usually it's uh, water or Gatorade that they give, but I'm not not a big fan of Gatorade. But it's the only thing that they give. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gives me like cramps and stuff like that. So because well, the sugar really... content, right? Yeah, and it's so like artificial, and I don't know, like especially like since I don't train with it, I'm not used to to drink it. So I prefer just to to drink water and. At least I'm more used to to take gels, so I'm gonna get my calories from 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 the gels. See, I when I was doing my race, I met with a nutritionist, uh, someone like you, but they actually worked at a hospital, and uh, they didn't specialize in vegan nutrition, but they were familiar with it. And we set up like this timeline that I had to have X amount of calories every you know hour to keep me going. Yeah. And, you know, we anticipated like a 16 hour finish for me for the full Ironman. And that's, of course, like a, a very bad time for someone like you, obviously. But for me, like off the street, I just wanted to finish. So um, we planned for 16 hours and I, I did gels the whole time. And then I, I forget what the timing was, but I feel like it was like every 60 minutes I was to shoot a gel. And then every every like half hour, I would, you know, drink some water. And mm. I had instead of just water, because obviously you have to have the electrolytes, I had uh, coconut water. And so have you ever tried coconut water? Oh, yeah, water? I like it. I like it, like it a lot, yeah. Do you drink it during the race or while you're training or anything? Uh, when I train sometimes, but not, not in, in the race. Hmm, cool, yeah. I, it, I feel like both those things kept me alive. I don't know if it, my stomach was just used to it by then or what, but I think it was the potassium and uh, you know everything else. I used a product. Have you ever heard of Vega? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon Brazier. I, I used their, their protein powder. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was a big Vega guy for a long time, and then I switched to Arbon. Have you heard of Arbon before? Uh, no. So Arbon is um, a, a company that sells you know vegan protein, and they've been vegan for over thirty five years, and um, it's it's a great protein. I'll I'll have to send you some information on that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah Vega was great for a long time. I love their bars. They have these uh these chocolate peanut butter bars i think it's like savaseed or something like that but okay. they taste amazing like peanut butter cups or something okay yeah um okay so talk to me about the travel i mean it's one thing to be home and be able to eat and have the food that you want but when you travel there's nothing to eat sometimes i mean you go yeah. to some of these airports and it's like mcdonald's or burger king or chick-fil-a or pizza hut and what do you do how do you how do you 
find something to eat. Yeah, for example, I just came from a, a trip, like a, a training camp with uh, in Dominican Republic. So, like usually when I travel, like you can't really bring like usually it's you're not allowed to bring fruits with you in the plane because you can't really. So I'm gonna eat like tons of fruit before before traveling in the in the morning, and then I'm gonna bring uh, some. Uh, add some like beef chips and like carrot chips and stuff like that because uh, I got it from like uh, Christmas that stuff that I brought for like all the family. So and over there in Dominican Republic, uh, it was like I thought there was gonna be maybe tofu and stuff like that. There was still like soy soy milk which was good, but there wasn't that much stuff. So there was still uh, like chicken. A lot of legumes. That's over there. That's like tons of uh, rice and legumes. So at least that's good. And what we did is we brought our own uh, like Indian spice and our own Mexican spice. So like it's like one day it was like uh, Indian uh, chickpea with rice, and the other day it was like Mexican uh, red beans with with rice and like lots it. of rice uh, over there. So yeah, you got to keep it different for yourself. I love that. It's very creative. Yeah, because you're not gonna find like the right spices that you that you want so it doesn't take space in your luggage so i always take like so there was like indian mexican and chinese like spices that we brought so at least it was like already three uh, suppers that were like already like preparing in advance so i know you're only 22 years old and you don't have you know a family that you have to look after right now but there's got to be times when you are in a super big rush and you just don't have enough time at home. You got to get out, you got to train, you got to do something. And you just, you just got back from class, maybe who knows. And you have, you know, like maybe 30 minutes that you can eat something. What do you do in those situations when you've got to just like make something quick and have just a quick meal? Yeah. Like for example, if it's uh, like a supper and I like, I'm alone in my apartment, I'm going to like, one of the things I like is either quinoa. I'm a big fan of quinoa. It takes like no time at all to, to cook. Or sweet potato. Sometimes I just wash it and put it in the microwave. And I'm going to eat that with uh, beans like chickpea. I, I'm a big fan of chickpea and like hummus. And so that's simple. Like, And I also always have like a huge salad with like olive oil and like balsamic vinegar and just salt and pepper. So I keep it pretty simple. Like some, some for some people it will be like boring, but like I'm I'm used to it, and uh, I'll always mix it up. Like I always, I always mix my salad. I'm gonna add like avocado. I'm gonna add pepper, and it's basically just what I have in my my fridge. And for for lunch, usually on uh, on Monday or on Sunday, I'm gonna make like a big salad, usually like quinoa, and like I'm gonna put like uh, nuts or like uh, nuts, uh, dried cranberries, and uh, peppers, and cucumbers. So I'm going to add it like for almost all the all the week, like all the lunch. And I'm just going to add other stuff if, if I want, like uh, cans of beans on, on top of it if I feel like it. So um, it's different every every day. You know, as someone that's studying nutrition, can you share why quinoa is so good for you? Yeah, because it's one of the, the, the grain that has uh, a high uh, quality of protein compared to maybe rice, because rice is not a complete source of protein, so you, you need to like combine it with uh, beans, so it's going to make a, a complete source of protein, but for quinoa, 
by itself is a complete source and it's also uh, a good source of, of carbs. So you've got both at the same time. And I feel it's super, super light. Like I'm going to, I could take that and just go for a run just after. I'm not going to feel full at all compared if I ate like a big meal of uh, pasta. Mm, yeah, pasta especially. Have you ever tried brown rice pasta? I love that stuff. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try also one thing it's super great. It's a red red black bean uh, no a black bean pasta it's oh, like yeah, the, full of protein it's what crazy. is that what is that brand um what is that brand there's one brand and i think they're actually out of canada yeah it's probably right and it's like the only ingredient it's a uh, black bean that's all yeah and it's I, I, a pasta I, that's crazy it's a funny name it's like truthful or something like that or honest or um yeah, something. I can't remember at all. Yeah, but it's something so good. Foods. It's got like a little bear on the front or something, I think. I don't know. I'll look it up and maybe I'll find it and put it in the show notes because that they do have it here, but it's it's scarce. Like, I really think it's from, it might be from Canada. That's hmm, interesting. Um, so what what motivates you to do this? What What is it about triathlon that does this, that, that makes you keep going day after day? Yeah, so I, first I started being a cross-country skier because, like, from where I am, there's, like, so many, so much snow that it was quite obvious I was going to be a cross-country skier. Mm. But I, at the time, I was also uh, competing in swimming for my high school, and I was doing both. And for cross-country skiing, we're always uh, cycling in the, in the summer and running uh, during the fall. So one day I just decided to to do a triathlon just for fun in the the summer. And actually the swim was canceled because like I think the water was like too polluted or something. So it was like my first triathlon was actually a duathlon. Well, it was better but, than ingesting a bunch of pollution. Yeah, yeah. Whew. So I, I like my I really like the experience. So for a few years I was doing both. Like I was training for triathlon in the summer and doing cross country skiing in the in the winter. But then after a while, like as I got better and I was doing more competition, it's like in the winter, instead of cross, doing cross-country skiing, it was better if I was doing more cycling, running, and swimming. So I decided to only do triathlon because the cross-country skiing season is so so short because the, the winter is quite quite short. And like I felt like triathlon, you can do that like all year, and it's so much more like diverse. Because there's three three sports and I really like the atmosphere and the racing, so that's why I decided to do triathlon and I really really like it. Yeah, yeah. I think the the camaraderie and the friendships and the random people that you meet even on a race day it's just so cool. You know, I mean, you've got some people that are like really serious and they don't talk to anybody else and they just stay like incredibly intensely focused and then. Yeah. I still remember to this day the girl that I met during Ironman, and uh, she's from Hawaii, and uh, she was just so cool, and we still keep in touch today, and she's a surf instructor out there, you know? Mm-hmm. She she teaches people how to surf in Hawaii, and she was right next to me, uh, you know, walking, you know, the last leg of the marathon to hit 140.6 miles, and she helped me get through it, and uh, yeah, just awesome girl, so... Yeah, friendships that last for years after. And my favorite part, I don't know about you, but my favorite part, obviously, is when they say, you know, 
Corey Warren, you are an Iron Man, you know, stuff like that after you finish the race. And that's always great. Yeah. Yeah. The atmosphere is pretty, pretty cool. Like, I feel like in ITU racing, it's pretty more like, because uh, before doing like uh, long distance, I was doing more ITU racing, like draft uh, legal. It's much more like serious. Like, so, but in Iron Man, it's more, more relaxed. Like, uh, I yeah. remember my first pro racing is like, you sign your name on a big sheet and like we're just hanging out on a, on a big table and they're seeing the instruction but like when it's ITU you have to like get your chair and like they're telling all the rules and everything and they're like quiet in the room and stuff like that but what is ITU because I'm not as familiar with it I mean we have USAT here in the states but what what is ITU yeah ITU is the international triathlon union okay so it's a like there's many different levels of racing. You start with like uh, uh, Pan American races, Pan American Cup, and then you've got North American, then you've got Continental Continental Cup, then European Cup, and then there's the World Cup, and then after that there's the WTS. It's quite it's kind of like the in tennis, like the big like the Wimbledon and uh, the big one. So hmm. yeah, so. It's uh, contrary to like Ironman. It's all drafting on the on the bicycle, like in you'll see in the Tour de France. So, yeah, it's mostly you need to be a really good runner. Like you, you need to be a good swimmer just so that you can make the main pack. You don't really need uh, to be a great biker. You just need to be good enough so that you can stay in the pack, and you, you need to be really good technically because. There's like you uh, good uh, turnarounds and uh, corners, and they go really fast. But it's not as much about the power, like in watts, as you'll see in the long distance. Mm. So usually you'll see a big pack coming out of the last transition to go running, and maybe they're going to be 20 to like almost 50. So it's basically just a running race. And some of the best ones, like the Grandi Brunners, who are uh, from England. They, they can run like uh, sub 30 for a 10K. So, oh my yeah, gosh. it's crazy. Wow. Now, when you do a race start, is it a mass start for you or do you start in waves? Like if it's an ITU race, how does that happen? Uh, usually the maximum of uh, triathletes in the start is maybe 60. So it's just one big start. Most of the, the one I did, because it's usually like in Mexico or Puerto Rico, because it's the I d- mostly did the Panam Cups, so it's gonna be a beach start. So, so you run until you you swim. So it's a bit less uh, chaotic than if it's uh, like a dive start. Because when you start, sometimes you start from a pontoon, mm. and we jump all at the same time. So right away, you get it in the face, and someone grabs your leg. But when it's in uh, in the sea, since you you run. A little bit before uh, swimming, it's kind of more uh, relaxed. So you can take your space before you start swimming. So some people are going to be maybe one meter in front of you. Some people are going to be one meter in back back of you when you start swimming. So it's much more uh, less uh, chaotic than when you do a dive start. Yeah, but uh, okay. So let's say you're doing a dive start. You get smacked in the face. I mean, is it possible you could like br- you could break your nose or something? You could knock your goggles off. I mean, is that just part of the sport? I mean, how do you know you're not going to kick somebody in the face, and how do you know somebody's not going to kick you in the face? 
well, you pr pretty much assume that they're going to get kicked in the face. So <laughs> yeah. at least it's not going to be a surprise. Oh, no. So you just have to have like a really good uh, dive. Like for me, I'm, I'm more of a, like a DSL type of guy. I don't have like good starts. So usually I like to be like more on the, the right or the complete left. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a good swimmer, but only when it's like calm water, when I don't get hit in the face. Because I've got long arms and like when someone hits my, hit my arm, like my technique completely, is completely screwed. Mm. So when I have like clear water, I can just maybe swim like 50 meters more than other people. But at least I'm going to have like I can swim as I want. So I'm going to have an okay swim. But like when I'm right in the middle with people all over me. That's when I have like a, a rebel swim. Me too. I am in no way comparing myself to a professional triathlete like you, but <laughs> I definitely stay outside of the pack. Like there's some people that say, oh man, you got to go in the pack. You got to yeah, like yeah. get with the pack and just like this part of the sport. I'm like, no way. I stay to the right. I would rather, cause I tried both out. I tried swimming with the pack and it was a horrible experience. And I had like a terrible time. I don't know what it was. Let's say it was eight minutes, you know, in the water for the sprint that I did. And I did... The next race, I stayed on the outside. I, I swam longer than the pack, and I still got out in eight minutes. So it was the same time. Yeah. It, it was you're, you're less stressed. You don't lose that. Like Sometimes when you get it, like, you, you want to, to breathe because you swallow water and stuff right. like that. So you just lose more energy. Yeah. So it's not really useful. So I, I suggest like for a beginner who's listening to the podcast, I should just maybe wait like five seconds after the start and then jump in the feet and yeah they have like a much better experience especially if it's their first one. Oh yeah you know especially I... for like an ironman because you don't really need to be like to start with everyone you just take your time and you'll find the clear water and it's going to be much more uh, fun ours mm -hmm. was disgusting we had a three thousand person mass start from the beach so we all started at yeah. the same time and I swallowed so much salt water because of the waves that I ended up yeah. vomiting. You know, and I, you know, your your body just will kick out the salt water once you start swallowing it. Yeah. Uh, has that ever happened to you, or do you keep your mouth shut? <laughs> no, sometimes I swallow water, but w what I try to do is like if I know that the wave's gonna come from the left, I'm gonna breathe like to the right, and then like that's why I, I practice. I pra when I swim in practice, I practice to swim from both sides so that when I'm in the in a sea, I, I know I can like adjust my breathing depending where is the water or also depending where is other people. Like if I know that someone's just at my right, I'm going to breathe to the left. So I know I'm not going to get like water in my face. And hmm. yeah, that's very smart. But I, I wish I knew how to do that. It, I had to learn how to swim with proper technique yeah. from the very beginning. I, mean, I went to a triathlon training group and the, the, the leader of the group just made fun of me. He was like, come stand up here. He was like, hold your arm straight in the air. And so I held my arm straight in the air. And he's like, now try to push my arm down. And I couldn't because I had a straight arm. You know, I had no yeah, technique. Yeah. So once I learned to curve my arm and like come down and really push through and focus on that, that pull and also just like gliding for a bit more. It's, it's so amazing to me about how, you know, swimming is all about technique. Yeah. And, yeah. Sometimes uh, like, sometimes I see people like, or I hear people that they, swim a lot like this do like huge distance every every day but you don't really think about the how, how they swim like about their stroke and everything like swimming it's all about how you feel in the water it's not about um, how many miles you do every swim mm -hmm. 
So it's really good, like when you start swimming, that you have a a coach that tells you, like, oh look, look how you put your your arm in in the water, and because when you, you swim, you don't really understand because you don't. It's not like when you're biking or, or running, you know how far is is your your leg when you run. But when 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 you're in the water, you, you like you kind of lose the perception of distance. So it's kind of hard to know how far you enter your arm in the, the water. So when someone like films you or tells you what to do, it's so much more uh, easier. Like yeah. I've coached a little bit uh, swimming a few years ago and I saw some people that couldn't breathe at all in the water. And like in, in just one year, they were able to do like an Ironman. Like wow. at first they couldn't do like just one lap and then they were able to to swim like four four kilometers. So yeah. Unbelievable. Um, how, how much does the mental play into it? How much does, I feel like the mental is the fourth sport and, you know, people talk about that every, every now and then it's like, do you see guys that just mentally defeat themselves before they start? When I did my one Ironman race, I saw grown men crying on the beach after the first lap. So how much does the mental part play into what you do? Yeah, it's, it's huge. Like it, it's different when you do shorter distance than when you do longer i remember when i was doing itu and i was start like one of my first big races and like my coach was like oh you're gonna do the first pack and and i was like okay i, I can't do that but when i exit the water i was like so disappointing that was so far and as soon i was like super sad and i was on on the bike and i was like what did i do why did i didn't swim good so right now i'm just a lot more relaxed and uh I just go like, oh, I had a bad swim. I'm just going to bike harder and try to catch the, the other one. I'm just going to improve on, on the run. So I think that's something I, I try try to improve in the last few years, just to be more relaxed and things things happen. You can have a bad swim, but you still have a lot of miles to do, especially yeah. when you do longer distance. Like if you lost like one minute on the, on the swim, it doesn't really matter you have like lots of time to to make up on the on the bike and the run but i feel like for longer distance the mental part plays a lot especially uh, on the run like when for example when it's a, like a few laps like a three laps run and you, you did your first lap and you're like how can i possibly do two other laps and like because this uh i like a a knee injury that kept me like that was with me like all all season and every time I was starting the run, my my knee was hurting like so bad. Mm. Like some one race, I just couldn't couldn't run at all. Like there there's a video I'm almost crying behind my my sunglasses. Mm. So I start start walking and there's a guy like like a spectator. He's like, just just start walking like, and you'll see it's gonna be better. And like I start walking and like the pain goes a little bit away and I, and I start running and I, I'm like, okay, I can do that. Like, I know that I lost maybe like five minutes in the, just the first like 500 meter, but I'm like, at least I'm going to finish strong and have a good race. So that's cool. Cause when, when you start to like the first time you like a DNF, like do not finish, it's, it's always going to be in your mind that like, Oh, it's a possibility. Like I can DNF, but if you like never, uh, do not finish you're always going to be like okay 
even though I have like a bad, bad race, I'm still gonna be proud after my race that I, I push through the, the pain. And you always learn so much when you have a, a bad race. That's when you learn the most. So yeah, that's, that's when you, you need to be mentally strong and yeah, push through the pain. It's incredible because it's kind of like life, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very similar to life. I mean, things are going to happen in your life that are tough and you have to get through it and you have to keep pushing and you can't just quit. And uh, if you quit, you'll never forget it, you know? And uh, it's it's amazing. You know, that's, that's, why I, that's why I wanted to do the races, just to see how far I could push myself, you know? And I don't know if I'll do another one. I'm not sure. You know, with three kids right now, it's it's going to be a while. But the, I know that it was it was a, an incredible experience, and I'm sure you you feel the same. Every time you do one, every time you compete, it's it's a special experience. And uh, it sounds like you've just grown leaps and bounds since you've started. You know, from being you know just disappointed in yourself when you got out of the water, and now here you are. You're like, hey man, things are going to happen. You know, I'll just kill it in the next phase you know i'll kill it on the bike or yeah, i'll kill yeah. it on the run and that's a great attitude to have so yeah because you can get so much caught up in the result but it's just about the experience and you can always learn from from everything what uh what's in the future for you what do you what do you see yourself doing in the next few years uh so uh next year i'm gonna do mostly uh half ironman distance and I want to try the uh, ITU Long Distance World Championship. So it's kind of the, in the middle between half Ironman and Ironman. So I think the swim is 4K and then it's 120K in the, the bike and a 30K run. So it's just a little bit shorter than Ironman. So it's like a good way to step up maybe in two or three years to Ironman racing. But I guess like... For sure, I remember racing and doing Hawaii is one of my goals, but I want to do like other stuff, like other races, like maybe like Ultraman. I heard it's, I know uh, another guy from uh, one of my sponsors from Skechers, like there are a couple, like there are maybe, I don't know, 40 or 50, and they do Ultra Ultraman each year. And I, it seems like such a cool, like, atmo- cool atmosphere, so relaxed. And other races, maybe like I know there are some races that it's uh, up in the mountain. So you start on the, you swim and then you bike up like a huge mountain in erupts and then uh, you finish on top of, like a huge mountain. And so, because it's much more about the experience, not about like your time. Because I guess if you do like Ironman, like mini Ironman every year, and you're always thinking about okay, what's my next goal? Maybe like oh do a sub uh, 10 hour then do a sub nine hour and then but i guess i would like to do more like uh, other type of events that are not maybe ironman distance or maybe still ironman distance but not from like ironman uh, trademark so yeah other stuff like that just to push push myself more and discover other stuff too yeah awesome well hey man i cannot thank you enough for for reaching out and contacting me and just taking the time to talk to us about your experience. We've never had a professional triathlete on the show. We've definitely had some triathletes, but nobody that's, you know, competing at your level with all these sponsors and just congratulations, 22 years old, just absolutely destroying it. 
and uh, you know the ITU circuit is is lucky to have you, and I wish you all the best. I I hope that we see you on uh, NBC doing the Iron Man <laughs> Hawaii someday. <laughs> I hope too. Yeah, awesome. I have like a small vegan fl- vegan flag also. There you go. A small <laughs> vegan flag as you're competing. Yeah, just hey, I'm telling you, man. Scott, if Scott Jurek and Dave Scott are doing it, uh, they've they've been you know ultra you know athletes for for years and uh you know like i said before dave scott the most uh iron man championships ever vegan athlete so yeah there are such like good role models so like that's why like i felt like because you know like other people that i know they're like are you sure you want to be vegan are you you're not going to be weak and everything so sometimes i know other people that were vegan and like they proved that they can still perform so i still felt like I had to do the same thing, like to show that it's possible and not just it's possible, you can improve a lot more by being vegan too. Like you can recover more and and by the way, you, by doing that you don't harm other other animals and it's just better for, for the planet too. I love it. Hey man, thank you so much for being a guest and uh Thank you for having me. Yeah. I will definitely make sure to get your Twitter up there and uh your Facebook page and all that other stuff so people can follow you. And uh, wish you luck as you continue to just destroy the ITU circuit. Yeah, I hope to see you in a race uh, one day, yeah. Or oh, maybe yeah. when I come uh, to Florida. Oh, yeah. You, you might see me before the race. You definitely will not see me during the race because you you might lap me. <laughs> you, could, you could pass me when you uh, come back. You'll be at the finish line. Let's just say that. You'll be at yeah, the I'll finish ch- line. Yeah. When I'm getting out of the water, you'll be at the finish line. No, no. <laughs> All right, Antoine, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, guys, thank you so much. You've made it through another episode of Real Iron Dad Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. But hey, don't let your experience stop here. Visit us online at realirondad.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and we've even got a YouTube channel. And if you like grocery shopping, we've got a three-part grocery shopping series. It's completely free. I walk you through Whole Foods, kind of show you how I shop for my family and uh, make those super quick meals that are mega healthy in no time. So thanks again, everybody. Look forward to seeing you soon. Keep keep us uh, on tab, man. Keep us close by. On every Wednesday, we've got a new show coming out just for you. So I look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, this is Corey from Real Iron Dad saying go the extra mile for your family. Bye, guys.